This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of CastingAcross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. You are listening to episode 256. If you were looking for a different number, well, you're going to have to go back and find it. But today we are talking about when to choose a particular rod weight, when to choose a particular rod weight. So this is actually kind of diving into the minutia of uh, fly fishing and gear and presentation, but it is a helpful conversation to have. And there certainly is a lot of applicability for in this conversation for beginners, because uh, after working in fly shops, after teaching casting instruction, after helping people get set up with rods, both just friends and people I know, and then through casting across, which by the way, I absolutely love getting emails with people saying, should I get rod A or B? Now, sometimes I can answer questions regarding specific rod makes, but really what is helpful and what I enjoy doing is, you know, this style of rod versus that style of rod, a three weight or a four weight, a three foot seven weight or a four foot eight weight. I love having those kind of questions and I love being able to answer them with a little bit of personal input regarding my experiences. Well, part of it is that I've had to make that choice a lot, but usually it's not necessarily a choice I'm making at this point in my life and in fly fishing uh, of a purchase. It's going down to my garage and picking out which of those rods I want to take with me or which two or three rods I want to take with me on a trip. I've just accumulated quite a bit of gear over these years. So it's something that I have some personal experience with, and I'm happy to talk with people and talk through with them. So uh, it, it's an important question because if you're getting started, it can be daunting. Three, four, five, six, which one do I get? They all seem like good trout rods. You know, six, seven, eight, what should I use for bass? Eight, nine, ten, what should I use for, uh, you know, coastal fishing? Well, there's a really good chance that if you fish for long enough, like me, you're going to accumulate enough rods where you have a couple. And so the question may very well be, which rod should I purchase or which second rod should I purchase? But it's also very likely that the question is going to be, 
which rod should I use in a given situation? Now, I'm going to come out and be in favor of the perspective that you should use a heavier rod if you are on the fence. You should use a heavier rod when you're on the fence. That is to say, if you are between uh, a three and a four weight and it, you're having a, a decision making moment in your mind, uh, go with the heavier rod weight. Okay. I'll talk about a little bit why that is as we go through some of these examples. And we're going to give some, some small stream trout examples, some kind of larger river trout examples, and then some bass and saltwater examples as we go through the podcast. But that is going to be one of my de facto answers as we move through this. Go with the heavier weight. Go with the heavier rod weight. And, and I'll talk about why that is. But the second one, and this one is incredibly subjective. Which rod do you enjoy more? Which rod do you enjoy more? If you get to a situation where you're holding two rods in your hand, thinking, which one should I pack? Which one should I take? Well, first of all, you should probably bring more than one rod on a trip. That way, if there's a problem, then uh, you're, you're not out of luck. But if you're trying to pick which rod you want to fish with between rod A and rod B, which one do you want to fish with? There may be some valid reasons why the rod in your left hand would be a much more suitable rod to use than the rod in your right hand. But if you want to fish the rod in your right hand, then fish with it. You wouldn't own it if it was a completely useless thing. Um, I have some antique rods that are just inferior in a lot of ways to my contemporary rods, rods from the 60s and 70s that are are just not as quick, not as responsive, don't track in the same way, aren't as light in hand, don't have the same kind of large guides and slick components as my new rods do, but I still fish with them because I enjoy fishing with them. That is a perfectly valid reason to fish with a rod. And again, as long as it's going to work, I mean, don't don't say, well, I'm going to catch, go catch my stripers with my three weight because uh, because I really want to fish with it uh, every time I go fishing this year. I mean, if that's your your goal and your challenge, then knock yourself out, but uh, be reasonable. All right. So uh, first criteria, uh, choose something that is a little bit heavier if you're torn between two. Second criteria, do you enjoy fishing with it? But let me give some examples, and and I'm actually going to make it a a little bit more of a, a stark. Uh, dichotomy between two rods. So you are going to uh, fish in a small mountain stream. You're going to go chase brook trout if you're here in the east coast. You're going to chase cutthroats if you're in the Rocky Mountains. And you have in your possession a two weight and a four weight. Now, I love two weight rods. I love one weights and two weights. I think they're a lot of fun. I think they're not just novelty rods. They might have been 25 years ago, but these days they make them and they are incredibly functional casting tools. But here's a great a great question that people ask. They say, I want the smallest, the lightest, the most uh, uh, delicate little finesse fly rod that I can I can buy, that money will get me. So I'm going to go buy that one weight or that zero weight or that two weight. And I'm going to fish with it. Now, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are going to be some inherent limitations in those zero weights, one weight, and two weights. Now, also a bit of a caveat here. I'm not talking about nymphing rods, which their weight system certainly has some sort of correlation with traditional uh, fly rods, but nymphing rods are a completely different conversation that is not part of today. So there are limitations and those zeros, ones, and twos. And those limitations come with casting anything with weight. Those limitations come with casting anything with uh, a, a lack of um, aerodynamic properties. So you're going to miss out on that. So if you think that you're going to be fishing and you're going to be throwing a beadhead nymph or you're going to be throwing any sort of streamer, even small streamers, then why not opt for the four weight? Again, and I've said this many times, you've been listening to the podcast for anything near 250 episodes, probably anything near 25 episodes. You've heard me say this before. 
you're still going to get that feel. A lot of people want to choose that ultralight finesse rod, not necessarily for the casting mechanics, not necessarily for the presentation that it provides, but because there is this perception, and there's some truth to it, but a perception that that rod is going to feel a lot more fun when you get a fish on the line. And I have a one-weight fiberglass rod that doubles over when I catch a little brook trout, and it's a lot of fun. But the, the sensation that you get from that, that I get from my four-weight fiberglass rod, is not significant enough to cut out all of those opportunities that I'm going to have with the four-weight to cast the small streamers, to, cap, to cast the double nymph rigs, to add a little bit of split shot or a strike indicator. I can't do those things with the one weight. I can do a lot with the one weight, but I usually use that rod if I know I'm going to be fishing a dry fly. If I don't know what I'm going to be fishing, or I know I'm going to be fishing in a diverse set of circumstances with a diverse range of flies, then going with the four weight is definitely the way to go. So that's one example, one, one situation that you find yourself in. Here's another one. Uh, should I fish with the four weight or the six weight? I'm making a little bit more dramatic than that five, six weight uh, debate that goes on and on and on and on and on. And the right answer for that is six weight, by the way. But let, let's talk through through that, uh, by the way. And I think I have either a podcast about that. I know I have an article, five or six. But here's why. So we talked about the diversity of flies that you can cast with the with the two versus the four. And that's certainly a, a similar conversation that you can have in a four versus a six. But the other thing to keep in mind is that if you can cast well, then you can cast a weighted streamer with a four weight, certainly with a five weight. You can cast a long streamer with a four weight or with a five weight, but you're going to be able to cast those better with a six weight. But that's not even necessarily why I would say go with the heavier rod in this situation. That's true. But why you'd want to go with a six weight over a four weight, especially if you're fishing a larger river, but not even necessarily a larger river, just a, a river where you're going to be making maybe 40 foot casts regularly. You can certainly do that with a four weight, but if you're going to be using all sorts of different flies and you have the option to make those 40 and even 50 foot casts, then a six weight is going to give you better control of your fly line and you're going to be able to make better presentations at distance. So if you know you're going to be keeping it in tighter, it's going to be 30 feet and closer, then that four weight is going to give you every opportunity to make those delicate presentations with those small dry flies. And for a long time, I thought that if I was going to be making midge presentations, if I was going to be fishing with that 7x tippet, if I was going to be trying to cast a spooky trout that are sipping off the surface, I need to keep my rod weight low. It needs to be five or four or three. But then I was realizing that I wasn't able to put the fly precisely where I wanted to put it. And if those fish are going to be having a, a presentation that has to be within a certain tolerance, within a certain window, then getting my fly where it needs to be is as important, if not more important, than making sure it is incredibly delicate. And the delicacy of a cast, the finesse nature of a presentation, that is all about skill. Again, if you're using a rod that is within a certain range of, of you know, well-constructed uh, gear, as long as you have a decent rod, which again, you don't need to spend $800 to have, as long as you have a decent rod and your casting mechanics are right and you have a good leader and tippet construction, then using that six weight rod to cast that size 24 fly at 45 or 50 feet is probably going to be an easier endeavor than using that four weight rod to do the exact same thing. Now, something else that needs to be you know, in, in mind is that 
as you become a more accomplished caster, as you become more accomplished in your presentations, you're going to be doing a lot of different things with whatever you want to use. Uh, different line weights, different line tapers, different rod weights, different rod lengths, all of those things you'd be able to make decent casts and decent presentations. However, if we're talking about the vast majority of the bell curve of anglers being able to make a longer cast with a six weight and being able to generate the line speed and have the control that comes with having a lot of line out, having a longer rod, having a heavier rod, casting a heavier line, you're going to have a little bit more control than if you're using that four weight. So the, the two examples we've, we've gone through thus far, two versus four, you're going to use more diverse range of flies if you're using that four weight. Four versus six, you're going to be able to make better presentations at distance when using that six weight and the same thing but but both situations would bear out for each other you're going to be able to use more flies with the six than with the four you're going to be able to um, make better presentations at distance with the four than with the two these are general principles that are going to work as you come to these these rod weight debates that may be in your own mind as you go to pick one from the closet or as you go to pick one from the uh, the shelf at the store now, before we get to our, our heavy rod weight conversation, something that I wanted to mention also is that larger flies uh, can be cast with lightweight rods. You can cast big streamers with a four weight if you can cast well, but it's going to take practice. It's going to take adapting your stroke. It's going to take adapting some of your mechanics to be able to do that. Whereas using a size 12 dry fly or size 18 dry fly, the cast is going to be essentially the same. Whereas using a small nymph or a small dry fly, the cast is going to be essentially the same. Not necessarily in the presentation aspect of the cast, but in the normal back and forth casting mechanics, it's going to be essentially the same. But when you put on that size 4 streamer, whether it be a weighted size 4 streamer or a really bulky, heavily dressed size 4 streamer, or even something like a size 4 popper, now what's going to happen as you're using that four weight to cast that fly is you're really going to have to adapt your casting stroke. Now that's not necessarily something that I'm going to go into detail today. I do believe there's articles on, uh, on this topic over at Casting Across. It is not going to be pretty. It's not going to be fundamentally sound. But the fact of the matter is, is that if you have a quality rod and you understand the mechanics and you understand the energy transfer of you making those necessary movements of your arm from your shoulder, your elbow, and your wrist using the muscles in your bicep, using the muscles in your forearm, and you're able to manipulate that rod and manipulate that line and build the line speed, you're going to be able to cast really unwieldy flies. It's not going to be pretty, but it's going to work and it's going to work well if you know how to do it. That's just another caveat to throw into this whole conversation. But back to kind of the, the, the substance of what we're talking about today. There are a lot of reasons why you would choose a 10 weight over an 8 weight. And you could say the same thing like a 9 over a 7. Although the 7 doesn't get a lot of love. We should talk about 7 weights more. Anyway, why would you choose the heavier two sizes up uh, when you get into a saltwater situation or a bass situation or a toothy fish situation or even a, a, a just a warm water fish situation, why would you jump up uh, two line weights? Well, the primary purpose that I have found, it's not been 
in distance of casting. It has not been in the size of the flies that you use. Now, again, I don't do a lot of like musky fishing, so I'm not using enormous flies, but I'm talking for stripers, for bluefish, for largemouth, for very large uh, smallmouth, and, and even for, for just carp and other wild fish that you encounter when you're fishing big lakes or you're fishing on the coast. The reason why I would jump up two rod weight sizes in these situations is to eliminate the factor that is going to cause you the most amount of trouble when you are fishing here, and that is wind. Wind is a complete bear when you're on the open water of the ocean or when you're on the open water of large lakes. The same thing could be said of really, really large uh, rivers. So I've fished in parts of the Potomac, parts of the Susquehanna, where I might as well be in a lake because the thing is so stinking wide. And when the wind comes down, then you have the factor of like the valleys that these rivers are in. And it just becomes oppressive when you're trying to lay out long casts with big wind resistant flies, flies that kind of slow down your casting stroke, as I alluded to earlier. But in this situation, you're not going to be missing out on anything. Again, I, as much as I want to communicate this, I, I do, which is to say, uh, if you are fishing with a nine weight fly rod, that good size smallmouth doesn't have to be a trophy. Uh, just a good size 16 or 18 inch smallmouth is going to really put a bend in that rod. The same thing is, is true with a schoolie striper. You're going to have a lot of fun uh, fishing and pulling in that schoolie striper when you're using a nine weight rod. It's not going to be some sort of lame experience. It's not going to be like using a broomstick to pull in a bluegill. Okay. So switching that up allows you to cast through that wind. You are generating line speed because of the stoutness of the butt section of the nine weight rod and the uh, the density of the line that you're casting, you're going to be able to cut through that wind, cut through that difficult casting situation and still be able to cast even when the conditions are not great. So that's part of it. The other part of it, and I guess this is kind of a the, the B, it's a conditional uh, um, uh, contingency as, as well. And that has to do with the fact that say you're fishing on a large lake, there's a good chance you're going to be sitting down in a boat. Say you're fishing on the coast, there's a good chance you're going to be waiting in the tide and you're going to be having to deal with that. To be able to generate more line speed by using a heavier rod, you are going to eliminate those uh, alterations to your casting stroke that have to happen as you're getting you know, hit by waves or because you're sitting down. Is it going to mean a greater workout for your arm? and your, even your core for that matter, of course, but you're going to mitigate some of those um, bad things that happen if you're using a lighter weight rod. This is a, a something that I really learned and have taken to heart is that even though my arm is going to be more tired at the end of a day of casting a nine weight rod out in the surf, um, I have better casts and better results than if I'm using a even an eight weight rod under certain circumstances, because I'm able to really punch out that fly with less false casts than if I'm using a lighter weight rod. And I know I've, I've set this dichotomy up in this conversation for two rod weight differences, there's between eight and a 10, but even to an eight and a nine, I can really tell that difference. And it's not because the nine weight rod is exceptionally better. In fact, the nine weight rod I've been fishing with more recently is kind of a mid range rod. I think it's like a 300, $350 rod. So it's not a super high end rod. Um, whereas my eight weight is, is actually a higher quality than that, that I fish with frequently, but it, I'm able to generate more line speed. And so I'm able to make a good cast with less false casts 
So, you know, for every uh, a 10 casting strokes, I'm making three casts as opposed to just two or something to that effect. All right, so I laid out three examples of, of a two to a four, a four to a six, and then eight to a 10. Inevitably, you could go through and, and come up with countless other examples. But the, the examples, again, that I gave were using a diversity of flies, uh, using flies at, at length or at distance, being able to make good presentation, and then dealing with harsh, harsh weather conditions. These would be three reasons why you would want to jump up one rod weight or even jump up two rod weights. But again, circling back to where I started, it is wise and prudent to always have a few rods at your disposal. Now, I understand that not everybody can purchase a rod in every rod weight. And then even if you were to do that, now you have the issue of, you know, now you have uh, the rod lengths to contend with, you have materials to contend with. So this is something to have in your mind as you start fishing. Try to space out your rods. Again, not everyone's going to go out and buy a two, a four, a six, an eight, and a ten. But you know, try to find rods that are a little bit different from one another. If you absolutely love a fly rod that is a five weight, don't necessarily buy the six weight. Maybe buy the seven, or maybe buy the three. Spread it out a little bit. Give you a little bit of flexibility and options, so you're able to contend with more situations and circumstances. But again, carry a couple rods with you. There's a lot worse situations to be in than to have a backup rod or an alternate rod in the car or in your backpack while you're fishing. It is definitely worth the quote unquote trouble of lugging that thing down into the trunk of your vehicle or throwing it on the back of your backpack so that if you get into a situation where you're saying, you know what, I'm not doing the things I like to do, or maybe I came prepared to be able to make a lot more casts with, with uh, wet flies or with nymphs or with streamers, and I find I'm fishing dries. So I'm going to switch the rod in my backpack. That's a lighter weight because I, I want to make those more delicate presentations that come intrinsic to having that lighter weight fly rod. So just some thoughts. And again, if you have specific questions about how you fish, I'm happy to field them and offer any advice that I can offer. Um, it, it's hopefully just one more voice with a, a variety of people that you're talking with, your local fly shop, people you fish with, what you read online. I'm happy to add to that if you feel like it would be valuable. Matthew at castingacross.com would love to hear from you. This week on Casting Across, two articles, that's always how many articles there are on casting across. And the first one uh, was was very brief, and I'll tell you why. So it was brief, and it was called Blue Ribbon Fish Art. So the best part of this article is a picture of my son Caleb. He's seven. Uh, his uh, award-winning artwork he submitted to a local fair. It's a watercolor of a bluegill, and I really think it's very, very good. But it also gives me an opportunity to just kind of let the readers know and now the listeners know that I am entering a very busy stage of life. Don't have a ton of details right now, but it's a continued work transition. As I've mentioned before, we planted a church in Southern New Hampshire and uh, we are in the process of moving. So it's not this enormous move. I mean, it's enormous that I have an entire house here in Massachusetts and I have to have an entire house up in uh, New Hampshire and the sale of, the sale of this house and the purchase of that house and all that sort of stuff. But it's only like 20 miles away. So it's not like I'm moving cross country like I have uh, in the past. But very busy season of life, um, but we were able to stop and enjoy these nice, quiet moments of things like going to the fair. So a few words there. Inevitably, I'll tease some of these things out as, as we go through these paces and go through life. 
Wednesday's article is called Rusty Flybox Alone. Now, one of the themes that I really enjoy writing about and talking about in fly fishing, and it really lends itself more to writing, is how we have this weird tension where we want to fish by ourselves, but it's also incredibly um, clear to most anglers that we, we're part of a community, that we're, we're part of a group. So even if we're not necessarily fishing shoulder to shoulder, or we're not with an eyesight or with an earshot on the water, that we are fishing together in some way. And we get that. So these are three articles that kind of touch on aspects of that issue, that we are fishing together, but we're also fishing alone. And what does that look like? And what does that mean? So I come at that from three different angles on Wednesday's article. This week's recommendation of the podcast is another general recommendation. It's not a specific thing, but uh, if you are like me and you either hunt or you are uh, subscribed to catalogs because you buy fishing stuff and whether it be Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop or some other outdoor store also sells hunting gear, you're probably getting just a overload of hunting flyers and catalogs. Uh, don't throw them away because there's not a trout on the front of it. Don't throw it away because there's no fly rods on the inside. Um, especially this time of year when new stuff's coming out, uh, I am just always flabbergasted. I don't use that word very much at how we sometimes don't see the crossover potential in some of these clothing items, um, pants that are for wearing under your waders, uh, water, waterproof and windproof, uh, jackets and layers. Some of the things that are made for hunters, people who are oftentimes standing still for a prolonged period of times or sitting still for a prolonged period of times are incredibly valuable for anglers. Now, you might be moving around a lot more, or you might be a steelheader, and so you aren't moving around, or you might be swinging flies for a real steelhead out in the West Coast, and you're not moving around a lot. You're taking a step every you know few casts. Having some of these layers that are built for this kind of situation uh, that are targeted for um, for hunters, especially if it's coming from a larger company, and the price tag might be much more reasonable for a piece of hunting clothing than it would be for a piece of quote unquote fly fishing clothing. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with wearing camo. It actually looks pretty cool. So that's my encouragement or my recommendation is as this stuff comes through, flip through it and see what might be helpful. It could be a really good pair of socks. It might be a hand warmer. I actually just bought a uh, hand warmer from Cabela's. It's neoprene on the outside, so it's waterproof on the outside. And then it has a fleece lined um, uh, mitt kind of thing that you put both hands in. The reason being is that my waders that I have for duck hunting, the access to the hand warmer pocket is incredibly cumbersome for me uh, because I'm not the tallest guy in the world. And so to get the waders that weren't super baggy. I mean, they are really baggy still. I have to like wear them almost up to my collarbone. So I really can't fit my hands in there to get them warm on a cold day. So if I have my gloves off, I want to keep my hands warm. I bought this hand warmer dealy that clips under the front of your waders. Um, it's awesome. If I know I'm not going to be waiting deep, it's going to be on my waders for fishing in the wintertime. Also, uh, it's just a great way to just pause and kind of get a recharge of your hands. And again, do they sell that for fly fishing? Maybe. I don't think I've seen it though. So this is just a great way to have some crossover potential. So uh, no link this week because uh, you know how to find all those websites. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.